this is Words with Women. Welcome to another episode of Words with Women. Our guest for today is Angela D'Angelo, an accomplished executive manager with over 26 years of experience in wealth management services. Angela is known for her leadership, integrity, resilience, and giving back to her community. She's also an inspiring speaker on networking and motivation. Today's episode is about finding your purpose, and Angela will share with us her experience and insights. Join us for words of advice, words of wisdom on your bi-weekly podcast, Words with Women. Welcome back to Words with Women. Today, we're joined by Angela D'Angelo. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Anisha is back with us on the podcast. So welcome back, Anisha. Hello, happy to be here. So today's episode is about finding your purpose. And Angela, you have over 26 years of experience in the financial services industry, especially in wealth management. You have held numerous leadership roles from associate advisor to management. And you're also very active in the community by holding various positions, such as president of the Quebec Breast Cancer, a member of the Association des Femmes d'Affaires du Québec, and so much more. So to start out the conversation, I'm really curious to ask you, what does purpose mean to you and how do you define your purpose? Well, thank you. Um, You know, purpose for me ends every one of my days with one single question. Did I give today? And did I give enough? Because if you're able to answer that question um, at the end of every day, and you're satisfied with the answer you're give, you've given yourself in that question, then you're going to end up figuring out what your purpose is pretty quickly in life. Mm-hmm. For me, um, it's never something that I think we could plan or that could be linear. Purpose is something that we gain and discover along the way. So a lot of women tend to plan everything in life. We're great at planning. We have lists for everything. We have double lists to make sure the first list is right. Um, And we expect things to be linear because there's huge pressures on our time. We're natural caregivers. Um, We have a, a, a mental charge that is a lot heavier. And because of that, we tend to be more linear in the way that we think and do things. But purpose is really that one question for me at the end of the day. And I invite you to do that yourselves. It doesn't take long, uh, but it allows you to take a step back every day and figure out that if, if it's empty, if your answer is empty, then you probably need to change something along the way. That is a really great way to look at it. And now that you gave us like the, the answer around what is purpose and your definition of it, do you think there is a difference between a purpose and career? And is there a connection between the two? Absolutely. We get up every day to do something that we love to do, right? We love to be someone's friend. We love to be someone's parent. We love to be a great colleague at work. Hopefully you'll end up loving what you do in life because you're at work. You know, I tend to say that I'm, I'm at work way longer with my colleagues and they become my office husbands and wives than I am at home most days. And that will become a reality for most of us because we spend a lot of our waking hours at work. So hopefully when you're looking for purpose, it fulfills you in the areas where you're spending a lot of your time. And one of those areas is work. Did you take some steps to reach the definition of purpose to you? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't really look at definitions from a theoretical perspective. I'm very experiential. I believe, you know, reading books is great, but observing the way things happen around you in your universe and in your ecosystem is a far greater course. And it's a far greater training program of life. You can accelerate the way you behave, the way you change your behavior, just because you're paying attention. So I'd like to say that I studied purpose, but what I'm going to tell you is that I actually allowed myself to be purposeful. I actually allowed myself to not get hung up in the definition and, uh, and just be a little bit more mindful and more aware. And just some advice for our listeners as well, for those who maybe don't feel motivated or or testing the waters a little bit and maybe a little lost. Do you have any advice for what we can do when we don't feel as motivated? Yeah, I think you need to reach out to someone, anyone, and be curious. Ask questions. You know, one thing I could tell you is it's pretty lonely if you stick your nose in a project and you're all alone in the project. But the minute you start opening yourself up and including diverse minds, diverse people, you suddenly get really excited again. People nurture off of people. I mean, look at the pandemic we're in. One of the things that we miss the most is feeling the warmth and, and proximity of one another. The thing most people are looking forward to is getting back into an office environment, believe it or not. Even though a lot of employees Employers are going to allow employees to work remotely. I could tell you we've done tons of surveys in our institution at the bank and we have clients who are looking more to be in a hybrid model because of what the proximity, the energy and the nurturing that human beings provide one another. Mm -hmm. I definitely relate to that. I'm working from home as well. And it's just these Zoom meetings aren't really cutting the whole personal perspective that I would otherwise have. I remember for my internship last year, like I spent the entire internship just like doing it from home, meeting everyone and having calls Mm -hmm. with everyone on the team just online, but I never met them in person. And if I see them, chances are I wouldn't even like recognize them or know how they look like in person because all we had is just a Zoom meeting and, and a voice. And you brought up like a really great point when you mentioned that we should always reach out to the other person and ask for help because I feel we're most likely or almost all the time reluctant to do that just because we don't want to look weak or we don't want to be seen like we're victims or we don't know enough. So a lot of people don't ask for help and don't reach out to the other person. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to really address that today. And if there's only one thing you remember from this podcast, I hope it's what I'm going to say next, because I tell it to every one of my interns every time I have a new intern. That is a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. And in life, you will be faced with tons of those limiting beliefs. They sit on your shoulder and they nag you. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can't possibly call her. I can't possibly bother her. I have to tell you that I have a schedule that if you wanted to have a meeting with me, a chat, a lunch, lunch would probably be a month out. We're not having lunch in person right now, but if we were, it would probably be a month out. Uh, Just a chat probably a good two weeks out. The point I'm trying to make is I'm here today on this podcast and I'm 100% here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a busy schedule, but I also have the privilege of picking and doing what I like to do. And for me, giving, which is what most leaders love to do, they love giving. And I'll tell you, I don't know any one of my peers or my colleagues that don't like to give to the next generation. The one thing I could tell you is 
we love talking about ourselves. We love talking about our experience. We love talking about our roadmap and what got us here. And we love sharing the mistakes that we've made as well as the successes and especially to the next generation. And what you have to keep in mind is people like me, we have kids. My daughter's 23 like you and she's, she's graduating from Ottawa U next year. Um, and you know what? We go through all those things the way you do with your families. So it means something to us when you reach out to us. My advice to you is when you get that limiting belief is immediately shut it down. And instead of saying you can't, start thinking about what you're curious about, what you would want to know from that person. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Then just go on LinkedIn and ask them for a virtual chat. I see your profile. I see you're often on LinkedIn. I see you've just received an award. I see this. I see that. Would it be possible for us to have a 15-minute chat? I guarantee you, if you try this, if anyone turns you down, boy, you don't want to talk to them anyways. That's the way I would think about it. Yeah. The worst thing that could happen is they say no, and that's just one person out of a lot of people who would be willing to sit down with you and talk to you as well. And the best thing that can happen is you get the appointment, right? But if you do nothing, you don't have either. Everybody fears rejection. Back in the 90s, I was an associate advisor and I was cold calling to build a book of business to get clients. 150 cold calls a day. People I never talked to and CEOs of companies, like not just anybody. And I had to get through the gatekeeper, the assistant. We used to call them secretaries in those times. She would not let you talk to the CEO or the CFO or, or the VP of HR. Those are the people I was soliciting. I have to tell you, I did that for three years. Ask me if anybody hung up on me. No, no, nobody ever hung up on me. Nobody ever turned me down for a chat. Nobody ever asked me to take them off my list. Why? Because you know what? If you're curious, you're interested, you care, why would they? The first time I went to a networking event, it was very hard for me to approach the other person or even like spark a conversation. But then through practice and through doing it a couple of times, it became more natural and it came easy to me to just say hi. People didn't seem as scary as it seemed in my head the first time I approached them. Yeah. And, you know, I have a a funny story about that because I have an intern who interned with me one summer and uh, we had to drive to Quebec City. So he and three other interns were in their car and I took my car. And when I got to Quebec City, we had this huge regional conference that I had planned. And uh, I was so, you know, I was coming down with a sinusitis and I was really sick. Like I, I never get sick, but this time it was brutal. And I remember at the end of the conference, I was, I I saw the four students about to get in the car and I said, you, you live next to me. Can you uh, drive my car and uh, drive, I'll I'll drop you off at your house on the way home. And and then, you know, I'll drive myself home in the next, the last five minutes. And he was just like, (laughs) you know, and, and so the whole way home in the car here, I thought I was going to be able to sleep because I was so sick. The guy just kept asking me questions. This <laughs> wonderful intern whom I'm still talking to today. He, uh, he just kept talking and he was curious. And he's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm in the car with Angela D'Angelo. And I said, you know what? I get colds like everybody else. I can't believe you'd take the risk to sit <laughs> next to me and get what I have. And so my husband calls me and he says, are you on your way home? And I said, you know what? I'm in the car with Benjamin. He's driving me home. I'm, I'm sick. I don't feel well. So my husband says, what do you feel like having for supper? And I said, I want Lipton soup. 
<laughs> and we hung up and and Benjamin till this day says I can't believe you eat Lipton soup <laughs> so people leaders leaders doesn't matter what you know what you do in life we're people yeah I think it's very easily to get intimidated by people because yeah. you think of them as some sort of person that you aspire to be because you you want the job and and you want to work with those people but you have to realize they're people too and they were where you are too and they couldn't have got where they are without mentors so a lot of them are really willing to help and that's what really surprised me as well moving on to the next question you had like a, a long and fascinating career was there a defining moment for you? Yeah, you know, sometimes you're in a chair for a, a long time. And I was at a competitive uh, firm, but I was there for 12 years and I left and then I came back. So I left on good terms. But my defining moment is when I left the second time definitively, it was really because my values were no longer in line with the firm values. I kept raising my hand up and I kept being looked over. And when, when that happens two or three times, you start wondering whether the fit is good with your employer. And so I encourage you to ask yourself those questions when that happens. Am I in the right chair? And am I, am I in the right firm that actually reflects and has the same values as me? So for me, my defining moment is taking that leap at a time in my life, by the way, where I needed the most security. I was becoming a single mom. I had a huge commute in the morning. And, you know, probably at a time in my life where I should have been looking for stability and not move and just make sure that I could provide and not rock any in my world and make sure I could make every monthly payment, I decided to leap forward because I believed, I believed that I deserved better. And that decision, it was a defining moment because it led me to where I am today. And it's only been great ever since. I love when you said, I believe that I deserve better because I think a lot of it is at the core of that belief, believing that we deserve good things, we deserve to move up, we deserve all the good things that could happen to us in life. You know, one of the things I tell my team all the time, they must send me at least one email every week of a happy client or a happy colleague or happy someone. And I said, yeah, but that, you know, we get them, but you know, we don't want to brag. And so now I give the talk on bragging. Um, we need to get better at bragging about the thing. And I say the word bragging very like naturally, because I know that if I say brag, women will tend to do a little bit of it, right? As opposed to a lot of it. So I tend to exaggerate the term so that we do a little bit of it. But, um, you know, bragging takes humble forms if you're able to communicate it properly, but it is so essential and important in your career. We launched a, a women's mentorship program in, in our bank six years ago. It was part of my vision and my dream. And I got the most incredible email from an intern who was in our mentorship program. And she said to me that she, because of my vision and the, the program and uh, the confidence the program gave her and the meeting she had with her mentor, she thought she'd never get a job because of COVID. And not only did she get one, but she got five job offers. And she ended up picking National Bank Financial as her employer. And she thanked me profusely. It was the most perfect email. Oh, well, guess what I did? I took it and I sent it to my VP and my boss. The only words I wrote after I forwarded him was, were, I can now die and go to heaven. And he wrote to me, oh, this is oh great, but please don't die. <laughs> oh my God, she must have felt so happy too. I mean, especially like five offers and with COVID-19, it's, it's not an easy time and that is, that is the reality. 
We have a great mentorship program at National Bank Financial. We post every um, February looking for candidates. We have about 25 candidates every year and we enter them with really successful advisors. Look us up if, if you have a chance. That's something I'd be interested in, but I'll, I'll talk to you about that later. <laughs> Call me, Anisha. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely yeah, speak to you about that one later. But what are the best practices that helped you advance your career? I think one of the things you have to do is you have to be authentic. I think authenticity is important when you deal with people and transparency. Nobody likes surprises. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning in your career, you never want to take a position or say, yeah, we'll do this uh, because you think, oh, no, well, I can't, I can't confirm it because what if it ends up costing too much money? And what if my boss doesn't agree? And now I've committed. And, you know, all these things happen. So at the beginning of your career, that empowerment that you should be owning doesn't really happen. And of course, it depends what the culture is in the firm that you're working, because not all firms give you that, that playground to be empowered. So for me, it was always transparency. If I wasn't confirming, I was agreeing that I thought it was the right thing to do. I was not holding back. I think a lot of times we hold back. How many times do I sit in meetings and I see young women or young people in general, and I could tell they have a lot to say. I could tell they have a lot to add and they're holding back either because they're intimidated or because they don't want to commit because they don't know if it's going to be approved. And so I have a little fun and I poke on them and I say, Anisha, what do you think? When you get a little experience like me, you start noticing these things, but I have to tell you that, you know, I wasn't doing them early on, but when I started doing them, when I started being conscious of what happened in a, in a meeting, where to sit, how to stand, when to speak. I remember this one meeting, you know, there was about 20 of us around the table. And at the time, the bank had just launched our vision for client experience. So we had the whole marketing was all about the red carpet rollout. And I remember going to this meeting that brought together the heads of different business lines. And I remember there was about 20 of us. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of people in this meeting. I don't think I've ever been to a big meeting like that. This is probably about nine, 10 years ago. And I remember everybody talking and everybody wanted to get a word in edgewise. And I waited till the last five minutes. I just listened and I jotted notes down and then it all came together. And I just said, well, I think our guiding principles should be A, B, and C. And you can hear a pin drop. And everybody looked to me and I thought, okay, I've just like, that's it. I'm, I'm a dead duck. I just said something really stupid. And then one woman said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you repeat those, please? And they all, at the time, we weren't really all on <laughs> laptops. We, we had desktops. So they all started writing what I had, the three things I said. So, you know, my lesson learned there is speak and don't withhold back. But when you speak towards the end, people tend to remember the impact more. And you probably have a lot more to say and better if you listen to the consensus around the table and you're able to package what you have to say. So we'll take notes, 10 or five minutes towards the end of the conversation or the meeting. That's the best time to speak. And I still do that. <laughs> I was on LinkedIn and came across a piece that you had written called Ladies, Let's Take Care of Our Financial Affairs. You speak about reasons it is important for women to be able to take care of their own financial affairs. And I just have to ask what inspired you to write this article to promote the importance of financial literacy for women? The gap that exists 
with women taking charge of making financial planning decisions that will impact their long-term retirement. Sadly, statistics show that women of uh, your age are delegating personal financial decisions more and more to their boyfriends, husbands, fiancés, whomever it is. Why? Because I said it before, we have more of a mental load. We have to deal with more. We have to deal with kids, making sure they're in the right sports, that they're wearing the right uniforms, that they're getting to the right soccer field at the right time, getting dinner. And, and women are perfectionists, so the socks have to match the shirt and, you know, put all that together. And what it does is if women can't do the task in two minutes or less, then what they end up doing is they will delegate the task if they can. Mm-hmm. And they delegate, obviously, finances is sometimes not everybody's bag. It's not every woman's interest. In fact, it's not a lot of women's interest unless you're working in the, in the field. So they delegate it to their husbands until they wake up six, seven, eight years later. And guess what? 50% of women get divorced. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Now they have to deal with learning about it in the middle of a crisis where there's lots of emotion. And they don't even know where the paperwork is filed. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know what the, where, the power, where the passwords are. And they don't even know what they have in terms of assets. Yeah, to take ownership of their finances and how everything will be moving on. Because just thinking about it right now and imagining like everything that you said, it will be like a lot of pressure, like just going through, let's say, a divorce, as you mentioned, and then learning everything from scratch. It, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, and I definitely think the article inspires you to look into the future that far because I feel like a lot of women our age aren't really thinking about that we're really just you know looking at the next steps in the near future but not that far into the future so it definitely like finance is something that's very important to plan for that far future so it definitely emphasizes the importance for sure I remember when I was uh, doing my internship at uh, wealth management uh, I think it was two summers ago and that's when I realized how it is sort of a crisis, especially for like women when they get to a certain age and they don't have a retirement plan. And that's when I realized how bad it is for a lot of people who did not plan it through till that stage. Very sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're almost towards the end of this episode. Uh, we have one more question. Is there anything that you learned throughout your career that surprised you? I had limiting beliefs at the beginning of my career, but, you know, a good dose of cold calling, 150 cold calls every day really <laughs> diffused that. But that would be my biggest takeaway is that fear of rejection. Let it go. Yeah. Not, it's, not, it's not useful. Just Definitely. try it. Nobody's going to bite your head off. Nobody, nobody ever rejected me. Worst mm-hmm. that can happen is you get a no. Thank you so much for joining us. We will move on to the rapid three, two, one. So we have three questions. The first one will have a three word answer. The second one will have a two word answer. And the last one will have a one word answer. So for the first one, what are the three values that got you where you are today? I think they would be curiosity, hard work, and networking. Second question, what are the two things that keep you motivated or inspired? So when things are not going your way, Uh, What are the two things that keep you going? When I answer that question and I've been able to answer giving. So if I've, you know, given at the end of a day and bragging. 
amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love to brag. <laughs> this will shift my perspective on bragging from now on. I will see it differently. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of packaging a conference on bragging at my retirement, but I think I have to advance my deadline. Not of my retirement, of my conference. <laughs> and uh, for the last question, what is one skill you think is important in all aspects of life? Networking, definitely networking yes it doesn't matter what you do if you haven't built the ecosystem around you that can help you grow I mean think of it a little bit as you being a, a plant you don't really touch the plant for it to grow you work the earth around the plant mm-hmm. you make sure it has all the nutrients you make sure that it's at the right place for sunlight so you're working its ecosystem well your career is the same you need to work your network yeah, it is that support system that stays with you and makes sure that you grow with and, and supports you, which is a really, really uh, big deal. I mean, a lot of us, just the people that we're studying with right now, we think we're not going to see them again. But I realize a lot of them will be working with me in the same company. Um, and chances are I will be working with some of them on the same projects as well. So networking is an everyday time, like in everything that we do in life. It's not just, you know, Um, in a specific place or time. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lovely conversation and I loved everything that you shared with us. Your insights were amazing. Uh, And thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you so much.